Well, here it is, and it's time to go Inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sotolero. Today's Inside EMS podcast is sponsored by FirstNet, built with AT&T. FirstNet uses the latest technology to keep your lines of communication and data open to help you respond faster, smarter, and safer. And here he is, my friend, my good friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, how are things going on your end of the world? Oh, man, it's it's all sunshine and roses. I'm, I'm uh started a new EMT class and busy pimping a book and uh, getting ready for a, a fantasy and sci-fi literary conference next weekend. So um, I've got my hands full, but it's a, it's a, it's a happy busy. So is your book considered uh, your, is your book perspectives considered to be sci-fi? I mean, why would you go to that? that no, of no. Well, because I'm going to start writing some sci-fi as well. Oh, uh, are you really? I'm, I'm gonna, yeah. I've, I've got the, the some dude Chronicles going to be, uh, first book's going to be released later this year. So, uh, no, it's, uh, our book is a public safety and emergency medicine anthology. And, uh, that's a small niche, a very small niche, but it's a uh, sales are sales are doing well. And it's, it's climbing up the, uh, the sales charts. I don't think it's ever going to be a number one bestseller, but it, we hope that it gets in the top 10 in its categories. Uh, and that's what we're looking for. Well, I think that one of the things that you got to think about is, you know, we kind of talked about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this work. And basically, if you haven't heard the book perspectives really kind of takes the perspective from an EMS side, from an ER nurse side, from a police side of how they're seeing the same patient. But I yeah. think that one of the things, you know, you talk about it being a small niche in public safety, but this is a book that I think people outside of EMS will be able to develop an understanding that they may oh, yeah. not realize as well. So just because you say it's the small niche inside of uh, public safety, I think it has mass marketing outside to uh, anybody who just wants to learn more about what we do in our career field. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to start broadening our advertising for just that because it's a, it's a nice uh, uh, informative, uh, sometimes a little dark, uh, inside peek into the minds of, of first responders and emergency medicine professionals. Uh, and I think it'd be, uh, it would, um, our, our, our authors come off well in it and, uh, it lets people know, uh, what we go through on a daily basis. So, um, I'm, uh, I'm bullish about the book. I think it's going to do well and I can't wait to release volume two here in another, uh, three weeks or so. Yeah, very cool, man. I, I'm excited to read it. I've not gotten an autographed copy, but uh, we'll wait for make sure that that uh, happens somewhere along the line. Yeah, yeah. So I let's flip the script this week, brother, and let me do some questioning of you. Um, uh, little birdie told me just recently that you've been uh, that that you've got some some major developments in the works, and I know you've been working in the community paramedic space for for what ten years now, and you've been a, a huge advocate for this transition uh, in the EMS delivery model. Really, one of the leaders for EMS in the community paramedicine space. But one of the things I've heard is that you've been working with a commercial payer over the last three years to bring a reimbursement to the whole field. And because of that work, that payer is uh, is now ready to grow the community paramedicine model in 10 states in 2022, which is huge, uh, huge accomplishment, man. And and a uh, tip of the hat to you for that. Can you can you talk about it? Um, <clears throat> you know, well, thank you very much. And like you said, I've been working in it for some time, I actually helped develop the first program at MedStar in 2008. So I've kind of been working in the space, you know, since 2008 and um you know, so when we think about that, 
uh, it's been a long time. Uh, but uh, about three years ago, I was able to develop a relationship with the, a commercial payer. I, I can't really talk about who it is. And we started to do community paramedicine home visits in the, for commercial for, for the commercial members. And mm-hmm. the way that the program worked is that this payer gave us a list of uh, the people that they wanted the community paramedic agencies to engage with. They went to their home and they gave them a per visit fee uh, for developing or for working with those members. And the program we started in Missouri with about six EMS systems and we really wanted the program to be encompassing of all delivery models. So we didn't want anybody to say, well, that's not going to work for my system. So we specifically had some rural systems. We specifically had hospital-based systems, third city services, fire-based systems. And uh, this way, uh, a delivery model was going to say, well, that's not going to work for us. Well, as a matter of fact, it is because we had your type of delivery model in this pilot. It was so successful in Missouri that we actually moved and transitioned the program to Indiana. And we were working with a fire department in Indiana who was part of this program and it was successful there. And then as the program was growing, they wanted to change the program a little bit. And then they asked if we can bring it into 10 States in 2022. Mm -hmm. And we started that work in January and uh, in July we're going to uh, six, six of those 10 states are going to start uh, seeing community paramedicine patients for home visits. And then we're going to start working on the other four states of bringing them on board uh, throughout the rest of 22. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I, I know you can't mention the name of the, the major payer until this goes live, but uh, what has been your role in this project? How did, how did you get involved and, and how are you facilitating it? Uh, well, that's another great question. So when, when I developed the relationship, it really kind of fell in my lap of how it all came about, but I, I was trying to gear the insurance company towards paying for community paramedicine service. And one of the challenges is billing, right? So EMS, yeah. EMS, isn't, has been. Yeah, EMS isn't recognized as a provider. We're recognized as a transport benefit. We don't build provider codes. We build transport codes. We build A0426, A0427 when it comes to getting our reimbursement, which is basically a transfer, a transport code, right? Where providers, uh, they build 99 codes, 99404. And I just made that up. It's, it's maybe not yeah. even a real code, right? Um, yeah. But because we're not recognized as providers, we can build those codes. So when we think about a community paramedicine home visit and doing an assessment and doing the work that we would do in the home, there's nothing that we can bill. So when I talked to the agents, uh, when I talked to the insurance company, I said, just recognize us as providers. Well, that's a little bit difficult to do as well, because you may have to do credentialing. And there are some EMS agencies that are working with the payer. So I said, well, how about if I work as the middleman between the insurance companies and the EMS agency, and then we're able to bill you directly. Uh, so rather than bill the nine, nine codes, we could just send in an invoice. And they thought that that was very interesting. And that's where we kind of started to develop those discussions from hmm. another big challenge. Kelly is, is that the insurance company doesn't have the infrastructure 
to know what to look for in a community paramedic program. Let's talk about quality assurance. Let's talk about, um, you know, authorizations and all that other stuff. So they had to build that infrastructure. They were telling me that infrastructure was going to take them three years to build, which I thought was pretty, pretty phenomenal. So my end of the operation is to act as a middleman between the insurance company and the EMS agency. Where this really comes into play is that with the experience that I've been working in the space and helping, you know, I've set up about 10 community paramedic programs in the United States. I'm now able to help the agencies develop a community paramedic program. So one of the challenges is that they may not know what to do to start a program. So I, you know, I have a, I, I say this all the time. I have a box. There's no box. Everything's yeah. electronic. But I'm able now to bring policies and procedures. I had protocols built with Washington University here in St. Louis with the EMS fellowship program, you know, a world-renowned EMS fellowship program. So we developed the community paramedicine protocols that physicians can consider. It's you don't have to do it. It's it's just a kind of a template if you want to do that. Yeah. But my role is kind of to help the insurance company understand community paramedicine and then to help the EMS agencies develop a sustainable program so they're mm-hmm. able to do community paramedicine work. When I work with an agency, I just don't want them to handle this insurance company's members. I help them develop a program that they're able to have a sustainability that they can talk to the other payers, that they can talk to hospital systems. So my goal is to give them the wherewithal to have a sustainable community paramedic program uh, against all payers uh, and not just take care of these specific uh, members from this specific insurance company. Awesome. Awesome. So you're building this turnkey solution for these guys. Um, and, and when you talk about infrastructure and, and, and getting the, the, the payer ready, uh, to understand what, what, uh, community paramedics involves, what are you doing on the EMS side to, uh, to help those agencies, uh, get that program set up, uh, yeah. you know, um, yeah, community, I think that, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of different things that they need. I mean, so when you develop a community paramedic program, You need to understand how to engage the medical community. You need to understand community resources. You know, you've got to be able to work with the needs assessment of your community. You know, you need to be able to um, train the paramedics. One of the things that we've done is we've developed a a 60-hour community paramedicine course just to kind of give people the, the, you know, the foundations of what community paramedicine is all about. And I think when you think about a community paramedicine program, it's specific mm-hmm. to your community. So this yeah. isn't this isn't a course that's that's clinically latent, right? This is this is more, uh, you know, when we talk about the social determinants of health, we talk about the behavior modification, you know, because we might have to help people lose weight, we might have to have people, you know, help people quit smoking, you know, we talk about mental health of the provider because this is a this is a different thing for paramedics and EMTs as well. So it's not just a, a 60 minute call and then they're getting a new patient. They may be with this patient over X amount of weeks and X amount of visits. We're yeah. finding that some of the of these compassionate community paramedics are getting emotionally involved with these members. Mm-hmm. So we need to talk about mental health. We need to talk about stress. 
We need to talk mm-hmm. about wellness. We need to teach them about nutrition. Um, there is some clinical uh, components to the course because it allows them the opportunity to get deeper into the assessments to understand mm-hmm. pharmacology better. Because now you're going to have to understand, you know, how ACE inhibitors are working, you know, for somebody that has congestive heart failure, yeah. uh, you know, and so on and so forth. So there is that we get into lab values. So you understand those as well. And then the course is developed to help people to develop the best foundation possible. So if they want, they can challenge the IBSC exam. IBSC mm-hmm. is a great organization that has a lot of certifications and community paramedicine is one of them. We uh, hope that the information that we've developed in the course uh, prepares them to take that exam. And, um, you know, we don't require it as part of our program, but we ensure that, um, you know, we ensure that we give them the best information that if they choose to sit for it, they have the best opportunity to pass it. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, our end of the operation is really to kind of be, you know, the middleman between the insurance company and the agencies and help the agencies develop, or if they have polish a gold standard program, uh, so that can continue to do the work with the payer and uh, get that reimbursement. Yeah, and you know it's a it's it's a significant shift in mindset and focus to move from nine one one to community paramedicine. Uh, you know, it's 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 an I would say almost an entirely different focus. Um, are you providing continuing education and 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 other resources to make this a a sustainable thing beyond just the initial setup and and getting them rolling? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And we do that, you know, because there are some states that have community paramedicine certifications, but there's not a lot of places for them to get the continuing education. So and along they die with, on the vine. Exactly. So along with the initial education, we also have continuing education that we offer our partners monthly. Uh, we haven't started that yet. We, we think that's going to start in September. Um, so we're really kind of focusing on that. Um, but, you know, you, one of the things that you mentioned was the mind shift from 911 to community paramedicine. And one of the biggest challenges that we have with training uh, paramedics is that shift in mindset. We have to get them yeah. out of an episodic emergent uh, thought and yeah. move them into more of a, of a uh, primary care um, yeah. role. Away from intervention, more toward monitoring and, and prevention. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. I mean, you may, you may go to somebody who has uh, congestive heart failure and they may have gained five pounds overnight and they're starting to retain water. Well, they haven't gotten into crisis yet. uh, So you may want to take them to the hospital, but instead you may sit at home and you may, you know, uh, give them Lasix at home because they're not in crisis yet. They don't need CPAP. Um, They're still talking. They're still moving around. It's just that their body weight is starting to creep up and it's kind of leading you towards, that they're uh, going to have pulmonary edema here in the next few days if we don't do something. Um, yeah. And now we're able to manage it, manage it at home, uh, which I think is really uh, unique and different, but it's getting them out of that mindset to say, Oh my gosh, I got to get you to the hospital and uh, let's go ahead and sit here. Let me give you some uh, medicine. Let me give you some fluids yeah. and let's see what we can do here. You know, Kelly, I want to share with you a little bit more about how the program works, but before we do that, let's go ahead and do our mid show read. And then when we come back, um, I'll share with you a little bit specifically how the program works and mm-hmm. um, how we get patients to the EMS agencies. Yeah, let's do that. Everyone in EMS deserves a reliable communication network like FirstNet built with AT&T. 
Your fellow public safety professionals at more than 19,500 agencies nationwide rely on FirstNet to make sure they have the connectivity and data they need to care for patients. And FirstNet is now offering increased coverage in rural and tribal areas. So whether you're looking for an individual plan or an agency-wide solution, you can join FirstNet and check out their limited-time special offers at FirstNet.com. All right, so we're back, and uh, I'm having a good discussion. What uh, can you tell me? What states this is? You you mentioned uh, six states ready to go July 1st, and four and four coming up. What states are those? Yeah, so I mean, it really goes from coast to coast. I mean, so we're talking Mm -hmm. about. Let me see if I can remember off the top of my head: South Carolina, Indiana, Kentucky, Missouri, Texas, Iowa, Nebraska. Um, Florida, California, and West Virginia. West West Virginia is a little tough to get in. Um, you know, one of the things that you know we're trying to think about is um, th- these are the states that the payer wants to go into and where it has the biggest, you know, uh, some some challenge, right? So you think about what yeah. we're trying to do is you know, everybody has their own high utilizers and everybody has people that they want to try to engage with differently, and the payers are no different, right? So if we want to go ahead and, um, you know, we want to go ahead and be their resource too. So when they say, well, what states do you want to go into? We say, well, what states do you need us there? Yeah. And uh, because, you know, then they say, you know, we're going into, you know, the state of Missouri. Um, what cities do you think? Well, what cities do you need us in? So we just don't want it to be that we can only do the city of St. Louis. We want to be able to yeah. say, you know, we could do whatever city you want us in because there are EMS agencies in those cities. And uh, so we want that, you know, we want the payer to be a little bit uh, involved to say, well, here's our area of need. Um, And then sometimes, you know, I'm able to say, okay, well, you talked about uh, Louisville and Kentucky. What about Lexington? They got a great program and they can kind of work in this program as well. I'd like you to consider them. But, uh, you know, I've been working on this for a long time. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting is that you know, people ask me why I'm doing this. And uh, certainly it's, it's for the opportunity of growing the community paramedicine model in EMS. One of the challenges that we have is people don't know how to start programs. They want a program. They just don't know how to do it. And then when they do it, they don't know what kind of patients they want to take care of and what they can do for them. But then it comes down to how are we going to pay for this? And a lot of people can start programs because they don't have that answer. And one of the things that there are EMS agencies out there that have developed great relationships with payers and they're getting reimbursed for this service. And then we try to teach other, other entities to say, this is what you got to say when you go to the insurance company. This is what you got to say when you sit with the CEOs of the hospital. This is what you got to, but you know what? It's secondhand information. So while individual EMS agencies are working on getting their own payers. One of the things that I wanted to try to do for my career field was bring the payer to the agency rather than bring the agency to the payer. So instead of saying that one agency, how do I get this work? I'm able to go to the payer and say, we've got as many agencies as you want pay them for this service and we'll make sure that they, you know, they do a great job. And then you asked me earlier about what my role was you know, the agency or the, the payer will give me a list of names and mm-hmm. um, they will say, these are the patients in this geography that we want taken care of. We give those names to the EMS agency and then the EMS agency goes off and does the work. I mentioned earlier about the billing that we're not seen as providers and we can't bill. 
Um, so when EMS does the work, they have no conduit, they have no avenue to send in a, a CPT code to get reimbursed for that service. You know, so instead of the EMS agencies going to the payer, we're actually bringing the payer to the EMS agencies. So I, I'm really kind of doing this more universally than doing it individually. And, you know, we'll get the agencies the work, we'll get them paid for the work while the insurance companies are figuring out the infrastructure of how they can get this worked out and, you know, recognize, you know, EMS as providers and get them paid for the service. So we got a good cross section of states, man. Um, we got the South, uh, Southeast, Gulf Coast, Midwest, uh, uh, the West Coast. All we're missing is the, is the Eastern Seaboard. But um, how do people in these states learn more about the program if they're interested in becoming part of it? Yeah, and I think that that's a tricky part. So one of the things that we have to think about is the states that are involved. It's not in the whole state, right? So um, in Indiana, uh, we're talking about, you know, Gary, Indiana. Uh, We're talking about, you know, uh, Warsaw County and we're talking about Noblesville. Um, and they're, they're starting it. So if you have interest in your particular state, or if you want to know about your particular state and where you are, um, you know, you can give, always reach out to me. I mean, my email address is my last name and first initial at gmail.com. And I'm happy to share that uh, information with you. One of the things that's interesting is that, um, I'm reaching out to different states now. I'm actually trying to reach out to folks in Nebraska, and get them involved in the program. I don't know anybody in the, I don't know everybody in EMS, believe it or not. And uh, I don't really know who to contact in some of these areas. And I, I have to go on LinkedIn and try to find names and, you know, so on and so forth of the, you know, the leaders of those EMS agencies. And, uh, but you could help me that if you know somebody, you know, in a particular area that I'm going to go into um, that you can make a a connection with, I think that that's going to be great. Because one of the things that we have to think about is that this isn't just for your agency. This isn't just isn't this just isn't for your state. This is for our career field. You know, Kelly, I talk about that we're trying to bring universal reimbursement. You know, right now, you know, however many community paramedic programs are working independently, you know, with the 10 states that we're trying to develop mm-hmm. in 2022. I bet you we have 20 or 21 EMS agencies uh, against those, against those uh, 10 states, right? So Mm -hmm. this is a big pilot to say to a a payer, look at what we're doing here. How about reimbursing us? You know, another insurance company, how about reimbursing us for the service? And I'm sorry, I can't be specific, but the, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the payer wants to hold on to the data and they want to kind of keep it close to the vest. But I I think I could talk in generalities as we've been doing. But one of the things that we need to be able to think about is I'm hoping that in 2022, by the end of 2022, we finally open up universal reimbursement for community paramedicine and allow uh, everyone who wants to be in the space, at least from one payer, to have the ability to get that reimbursement. And, um, you know, it's very exciting. It's a lot of, it's very stressful. It keeps me mm-hmm. up at night. And one of the reasons that it keeps me up at night is I'm, um, having to make decisions that could be for a career field. And one of the things that I do with that is I don't make all those decisions myself. So if we have to think about something about reimbursement, if I have to think about something about 
quality. I get in touch with my peers around the United States who are doing the work to say, hey, I, I've got to give an answer here. What do you think is the most appropriate answer for EMS? Not what Chris yeah. Abelero thinks the most appropriate answer is, but what does the career field want the answer to be? Because one of the big challenges, Kelly, is that there's been there's been um, insurance companies that have signed deals with uh, EMS agencies you know, for a fraction of the cost for home visits. And because they're not getting anything, they're hoping just to get something. Well, all of a sudden now we're setting the standard of, let's say, you know, $50 for a home visit where some people are getting 120. So we have to be very, very careful about that. So when I talk about that, it keeps me up at night. I want to be able to ensure that we're including as many leaders in EMS in this program Mm -hmm. that we're doing. So when decisions have to be made, People aren't going to say, oh, that Chris Sabalero guy, they're going to say that we made decisions as a career field, and this is what helped populate uh, universal reimbursement for community paramedicine. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think that this has the potential to, to transform the face of EMS uh, and, and, and move our, our profession into the, into the future. You and, and a cadre of other evangelists for this, this uh, delivery model have been instrumental in that. And, and it's nice to see that you guys uh, are promoting community paramedicine uh, as the wave of the future without being parochial about it. You're, you know, you're sharing information and, uh, and, and the, the future of our profession is your primary goal. Yeah. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Is community paramedicine coming to your state? Um, and if so, do you think it's a good idea uh, or would you like to be involved? Where do you think our, think our profession is going in the future in, in regards to this delivery model? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at EMS1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sabalero, the community paramedicine guru, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.